You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. So let's pray. Jesus, we are grateful for you. We're grateful that uh, you came to bring us new life. We ask now, God, that you would be in our midst and that you would be in the midst of our thoughts, in the midst of our words, in the midst of our conversation, that you would lead and guide us by the power of your Holy Spirit today. For we ask all these things in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So um, my topic uh, today is living in unity, listening to God together. So what does it look like to listen to God together? When I think about listening, by the way, um, and, and I have to say, um, Mike's sermon today, if, if you hadn't heard that, I want, if you weren't in here in the refectory, or maybe if you're coming to the five o'clock, if not, go listen to that. He talks about just kind of the freedom in the spirit. I think that was a really good word from Mike. And that's kind of, I want to kind of pick up on the idea of what it looks like to be free in the spirit and how we listen to the Lord together. Uh, a side note, um, I feel much freer today. My, both my children have just stopped playing baseball. Um, and uh, that, that ended yesterday. And uh, I, there's a new praise on my lips today going, finally, no more baseball fields for a little while. Um, we love watching them, but man, 105 degree heat index is rough. Um, so there's freedom. Uh, and, and so I want to look at when we think about speaking and listening, uh, I want to put us in the context of what it looks like to pray. And so listening in prayer is something that is often, if you're like me, it's often the overlooked piece of prayer. Uh, I like to talk to God. I like to tell God what I think he should do a lot of times. Um, and, and the way I think he should have done that instead of the way he did it. And, uh, and so the, the idea of me stopping and trying to clear my mind of my own thoughts and say, Lord, what is it that you might want me to do? is a very difficult thing, especially in a world where noises and everything is just kind of pounding in all around us. We have these uh, many computers attached to our hips that people call us on and text us on, and we can check, uh, you know, Facebook or Instagram or any of those things. Any time of the day, we can stay connected, quote unquote, if you will, all the time. And I think part of listening and understanding and being unified with the Spirit is to actually escape from some of those things so that we might hear from the Lord. And so uh, Eugene Peterson, in his book, Tell It Slant, he talks about the, the prayer life of someone. He, he says, uh, he speaks of the story and prayer as the core language of our humanity. Here's a quote from him. And of course, silence, he says. Silence is indispensable. It is a commonly overlooked element in language, but it is a must. Especially, it must not be overlooked in the language of prayer. It is not as if Jesus speaks the revelation of God in his stories and metaphors, and now in prayer we get to say our peace. Silence, which in prayer consists mostly in attentive listening, is non-negotiable. Listening, which necessarily requires silence on our part, is as much a part of the language as words. The colon and the semicolon, the comma and the period, all of which insist on silence, as part and parcel of speech, are as essential to language as nouns and verbs. But more often than not, silence gets short shrift in our prayers. Yet, if there's no silence, our speech degenerates into babble. 
What a great word to think about silence. I'm just curious, and this just makes me feel good because that, well, that way I'm not alone. Does anybody else struggle with just being quiet before the Lord? Okay, so we got a few. I think there's like three of you that struggle with me. That's good. I like that. Um, hopefully this is for you today, but if, you, if, if this is not a struggle for you, then maybe it'll enhance your listening abilities to the Lord. So listening to the, to the Lord is important from an individual perspective, yes, but I actually want to talk about what it looks like to be in unity to listen corporately. So there's two components here today that we want to look at. How do we personally listen from the Lord and how do we corporately come together, listen to the Lord, and then come into agreement with the Lord together? Romans 12, 4 and 5 says this, For just as each of us has one body and many members, these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ we, though many, form one body and each member belongs to all the others. Paul goes on, he talks about, you know, the finger and the, the eye and the, and the, you know, all the things that attach it. You know, you can't do without all of these different parts. And he's talking about the body of Christ being the same way. In 1 Corinthians, Paul goes on in chapter 12 to say, All these are the work of one and the same spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body so it is with Christ. Where I want to go with that, I think where Paul would say that we're unified in so many ways, one of the ways that we should be unified is actually listening to the Lord together. Listening to God is not only this individual level thing, but it is a level of corporate listening. Because the Lord speaks to each of us differently. And he's made each of us unique. The result is not uniformity, but unity. There's a difference there, right? Unity versus uniformity. I'm going to get to that again in a minute. But bottom line is we're not looking for the Lord to say the same exact thing to say to every single person. But we're looking to see what the Lord might tell one person and the Lord might tell another person that they might come together and say, oh, that's what God's trying to speak to us. That's where God's trying to give us a revelation. First Corinthians 2 Paul speaks about this to the church, and he uses a very interesting language here as he speaks about uh, wisdom revealed by the Spirit. He, he goes from his first person to first person plural. We. We speak from God, he says, by the Holy Spirit. Let me read a little bit of it to you. 1 Corinthians, starting, verse two, or starting chapter 2, verse 6. We do, however, so there's that we, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom, a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, 
so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught, taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgment. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Do you need your iPad? Yeah, sorry. I figured that was what you were coming for. Uh, we have the mind of Christ. And so there's a, there's a corporate we that is taking place here in Paul's words. Who do you think that the we is when he speaks of this? Is it him and a buddy? No, it's the church. It's the it's those called by the spirit living in Christ. He's saying we are one body. We are the ones who listen to the Lord. We are the ones who've been given this message. We are the ones that the Holy Spirit guides. We are the ones. So it's us and we and all that language of of corporate unity. And then the last line is the one that I think is the the real kicker for us. But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? How can we ever have the mind of Christ? We, we're sinful, right? And, and how many times have you thought you've heard from the Lord and said, I don't know if that's me or if that's God or if that's indigestion. I don't know what's going on here. Where is this? What is this? And so how can Paul come to a place where he says, we have the mind of Christ? The plural there is significant, but just as the parts of the body are interdependent, so they're related to the head, Jesus, having his mind. God does not reveal his whole purpose to any one individual. We've seen that take place in our society throughout history. How many times has a cult been developed when somebody says, God has given me a revelation and this is the way it should be. And then many people begin to follow this one person who supposedly has this great revelation of the Lord. And then some crazy things happen, right? That's not what Paul's saying. Paul's here saying is we all get, may get a word or a vision or a, a direction from the spirit of God. And then we test it with one another so that we might be unified together. At the very least, our guidance in Christ implies a unity or a consistency that comes from hearing the same voice. Now, some practical things. The practical ways we do this. I could tell you this on a personal level. Um, I, in my own prayer life, you know, I have, I use what's called a, a prayer wheel. And I've got 12 things in my prayer wheel that are dedicated to be five minutes each. And they, sometimes they get to be two minutes each. Or sometimes they may be 10 minutes each. But no, no, ideally that I'm praying around all kinds of things. So it starts with praise. It goes to Thanksgiving. It then goes to listening and meditation. And so I'm forcing myself because I know me that I have to have a, a kind of a, a way of doing this, a setting aside of saying, all right, Lord, I've been doing a lot of talking. I've been doing a lot of speaking. I just want to hear from you. It's amazing what happens. I do a Bible study with some guys at Brother Brian on Wednesdays. And um, one of the ways that we end the Bible study is after we look at the scriptures that we've been studying. And they've talked about it. I've talked a little bit about it. We've kind of talked back and forth. We've talked about 
uh, what the Lord is, is showing us in those things. And then we've gotten into this consistent rhythm of saying, let's take one to two minutes and sit quietly asking the Lord what he might want us to do now. And it's amazing to me what happens when you just sit and say, all right, Lord, we've read your word. We've, we've done what we, you know, everything that we can do in our humanness. You tell us what's next. And then after a couple minutes, I'll say, did, the, did God tell you anything? Did he reveal anything? And I'm amazed every time that one of these, uh, these guys sit around and say, yes, I heard God say, this is what I need to be doing right now. And it may be as simple as I need to be in God's word more, or I need to get up and, and begin to pray for the city more. Or it may be that, hey, this new guy came into the mission today, and I feel like I need to go uh, be a light to him and share God's word with him. There's a multitude of listening things. And so that's the individual piece of that listening that I think if you're not doing that, I would encourage you to, in your prayer life, start to institute what it looks like to just listen. And it takes practice. I'll tell you that because it takes practice to get our own thoughts out of the way and say, all right, God, you do the speaking. You do um, the, the, the work here. Get me out of the way. But then how do we do that corporately? So being unified, how do we listen corporately? Well, it could be as simple as maybe you're in a small group already and you say in your small group, let's spend a small group time of an hour that we're together listening to the Lord and speaking into one another's lives, asking the Lord what he might be saying to us. Now, I'll be the first to admit, culturally, this is super awkward for us. We don't like this. Because there's a lot of silence there, right? There's a lot of quiet. And in our own life, uh, if things are quiet, uh, Allison and I joke all the time, if the house is quiet, something's probably going on, right? They're pro- they might be burning down the house somewhere. And so it's time to go looking for them. Um, the, the kids can go crazy. But in our culture, the awkwardness, we've got to get past that in our Western culture to, uh, to get, get past the individ, 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 that's a hard word to say individualistic way of listening to go corporately and say, what is God teaching us? So in the awkwardness, we listen. One of the greatest things about, uh, one of the greatest illustrations I've ever heard about listening to the Lord and hearing different things from the Lord, but still being unified is the illustration of blind men who have never felt an elephant. And you tell a blind man to go up and one of them may reach for the trunk and feel what it feels like. The other may be at a leg. The other may be the tail. The other may be the side of the elephant and they're feeling it. And then you ask them, what is an elephant based on their experience of what they felt? And what will one tell you? One will say an elephant is like a snake because I felt his trunk. The other might say an elephant's like a rope because they felt its tail. The other might say an elephant's like a wall because they felt the side of an elephant. Or an elephant is like a tree trunk because they felt his legs. None of those are, are incorrect in their descriptions, but they're incomplete. So if you put them all together, then you have the description of what an elephant, a description of an elephant's true identity. Yes, they've got parts that look like a, a, a snake, parts that feel like a rope, parts that are like a tree trunk. But all together, here's what an elephant looks like. So for us, listening to the Lord corporately is like the blind man feeling the elephant. 
you may hear something that I don't hear from the Lord. And yet, it doesn't mean that it's inaccurate. It doesn't mean that it's, it's not worthwhile. It just means that it may need corporately to be parsed out a little bit of what, is, what does it mean. Now, a quick aside, I am making an assumption here that let's say you come together and, and you try this in your small group. You say, we're gonna, let's just listen. One, one of our small group meetings, we're just going to listen to the Lord. We're going to spend 30, 40 minutes listening, and then we're going to respond of, what did you hear? What did God tell you? We're assuming here that in those listening, they are believers and following the Holy Spirit. Somebody who's not a believer in Christ is not going to hear clearly from the Holy Spirit, from the Lord. Unless it is that clear drawing of, hey, come to me. Then after that, I'll teach you some more. So we have to then get into that little four-letter word that we talk about, that we call a four-letter word, evangelism. You want somebody to be able to hear the Holy Spirit that's not a believer, you tell them about Jesus so that they know Jesus, and then they can begin to listen and discern the Spirit of the Lord in your small group or in your listening group. To function effectively, though, as the body of Christ, everyone needs to be hearing from the Holy Spirit. Hearing the Lord, fully committed to obeying when they hear. Now, there's another aside that I have to just kind of hone in on for just a minute. It's one thing to listen to the Lord and go, I feel God telling me to do this. It's another thing to say, now I've got to go do it. I mean, I go back to my illustration of these men at the at Brother Brian. You know, one of them last week, and he won't mind me telling this. He, last week he said, there's a guy that's coming in that I just met that I know he doesn't know Jesus. And I feel like I need to be the one that tells him what it is that Jesus loves him. And so for him, that's great to say that. But if next week he comes back and I say, hey, how'd that go? And he goes, well, I didn't do it. Well, then what was the purpose, right? If we hear it. We have to obey it. That's the obedience part that comes in the Great Commission. We always forget that part, though. We like to you know, go and make disciples and, and baptize them. And then there's that little tag at the end. And teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so listening includes obedience. Now, I'll be the first to tell you that if you're listening, God may tell you some radical things. I had students, I may have said this last week, so forgive me if I did, but when I was a youth minister, I used to have students that would come up to me and say, I want to do what God wants me to do, but I really don't want to go to a mud hut in Africa. That's not where I want to live. And I'm like, God may not tell you to go live in a mud hut in Africa. Now, he might, but he may not. They were, some of them were terrified. Like, I'm afraid to ask God what he wants me to do because I can't live in a mud hut. Usually these were like little 14-year-old girls that were like, no showers in a mud hut. Crazy. Um, but anyway, uh, so there's a, there's a critical piece that God may call us to do difficult things if we're listening to him. And he's looking for us to be obedient in those things so that we're following after him. And as we do that, I do sincerely believe, and I think we can back it up with Paul's words, that when we do that, he speaks more to us. Now you're obedient. Now I've got more for you. Now you're obedient. Now I've got more for you. When we're not obedient, we tend to find that, that the Holy Spirit goes quiet on us. Why? Because we didn't obey what he said in the first place. It's like talking to somebody and giving them advice, and then they go and do the opposite. Well, I'm probably not going to keep giving you advice. 
right? It doesn't mean the Holy Spirit's not there. It just means he's waiting for our obedience to kick in. And so the function then, uh, to function effectively as the body of Christ, everyone needs to be hearing from the Lord, committed to obeying him, whatever the risk or the sacrifice might be. And then we have to trust one another. Now, I know where we are as a church right now. There's some distrust going on in the body of Christ because of events that have happened and things that have taken place. And and we're healing from those things. But we as a body now have to come together listening to the Lord and and, and being unified to say, what is God calling us to do even in the hard things? What does it look like for us to sacrifice the things we might want for the sake of God's calling? When the whole body of Christ is walking in the spirit and in unity, then we have the heart of the Lord corporately in ways that would never happen in isolation. As a body of Christ, we should be marching to the beat of a different drummer than the world. Now, I play with a drummer all the time, and, and the instruments are doing different things. But if that drummer is not consistent, and praise the Lord that Leaf is consistent as he can. I mean, that's the most consistent person on the planet. He's back there like a human metronome. You know, he's going to be on the beat no matter what. Even if I get off, he's on, and then I'm in trouble. And so you've got a, a drummer that's holding the beat for a band that's playing. Any band you listen to, the drummer is the beat. So the Holy Spirit is our beat. It is, if we're in tune, we've got a drummer behind us that is consistent and holding the beat for us. And then the way we then listen and hear may be different for each of us. The Lord may tell you one thing and tell me another thing. They, they may go together. They probably go together if we're listening to the, the Holy Spirit's not confusing. So part of the discernment then as we listen is to say, is that from the Lord or is that from me? Did I not get out of the way enough so that it's my thought? Um, I jokingly said in, in another class, you know, when I was a kid, I used to pray to the Lord all the time. I, I took into that account that, that verse that said, pray and ask whatever you wish and I'll give it to you. Now I took that thing out of context big time. And I was like, well, God, I got a lot of things on my list right here that I need. One of them, when I was a 12, 13-year-old kid, was I thought I needed a Lamborghini by the time I was 16. Never happened. God, why didn't you give me this you know, $300,000 car? I don't understand. Well, now I understand. Uh, number one, I probably would have killed myself. Uh, and number two, I didn't need a Lamborghini. That wasn't the Holy Spirit leading me in those things. That was my thoughts, my desires, my ways. So with the drummer, the Holy Spirit as the backbone... Look at, if you have your Bible, you can look. I'll read it for you. But Matthew 11, it's quite interesting. There's a description here of Jesus and John, John the Baptist. Now, I don't know if you've ever looked at the the life of John the Baptist versus the life of Jesus. They accomplished much of the same things, but the way that they went about accomplishing them were completely different. I mean, they didn't even, they weren't even close. I don't know of any recorded time where Jesus ate locusts and dressed in camel hair. But that was John's, that was his M.O. I mean, you know, crazy John was out there in the, in the wilderness doing his thing. But look at Matthew 11. Look what it says, what Matthew writes about it. To what can I compare? This is verse 16. To what can I compare this generation? They're like a children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to others. We played the pipe for you and you did not dance. 
we sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came, neither eating nor drinking, and they say, he has a demon. The Son of Man, there's Jesus, came eating and drinking, and they say, he is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her deeds. What's Matthew getting at there? John does one thing. He's got a demon. Jesus does another thing, the thing that they called John a demon for. And then he's, he's crazy. He's a drunkard and a glutton. Neither we know is the, is the case. They were going about doing the work of the Father, but they were doing it in different ways. So they heard from the Lord in different ways. Uh, if you've ever seen the, the show, the, the Chosen. Anybody ever watched that show? If you haven't, it's an excellent um, mini-series on the life of Jesus. Uh, they take some liberties, but it's really good overall. They stay uh, almost as, as biblically accurate as, they, as, as I've seen. Uh, but there's one scene there where John the Baptist and Jesus come together, and they have a conversation. And in that scene, John the Baptist is looking at Jesus, and this is in Scripture, where he says, Are you the one? Like, you're the one, right? You, you are the God that I've been, been saying is coming. And, it, and John actually kind of gets on to Jesus a little bit in the scene. He's saying, well, get to work then. Like, let's go. Let's do this. Like, start telling people you're the Messiah. Like, come in here and, and wipe out the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Jesus says, hold on a minute. This, John, you, and, and I can't say it the way he said it on the show, but, uh, but he basically says, listen, we're both doing the same things, but you're not seeing the way I need to be doing this. I'm following the will of the Father, as are you, but they look different. We're both doing the same. We're both accomplishing the same thing. Both Jesus and John were hearing from the Lord and what they were to do. We can't expect to discern the voice of the Lord with those, again, who don't know him and don't hear him. That, however, uh, is, as I just said, becomes an opportunity for evangelism. For those who are truly part of the kingdom of God, seeking his ways, looking to obey, we need to show more grace to one another as we do that. God demands unity, again, and not uniformity. He has by his own design and will given us these things. And these are things that are going to be different for each of us. Different roles, different tasks, different operating environments, different cultures, and different callings. All are different. But if we're all marching to the same beat of that drum that is not of this world, he speaks to us in different ways and gives us portions of his truth and his will in different ways. And that's why we need one another. That's why we have to come together in unity to say, hey, the Lord spoke to me. Yeah, the Lord spoke to me too. He said this. Well, he said this. And, and then you look at scripture and say, did these line up? Are we, are we crazy? Did we come up with these things on our own? Now, this is really hard for me at times. This is my, my own pride. I'm going to confess my sin to you. My pride oftentimes is you need to do it the way I'm doing it. Like, okay, great commission. Let's go do this just like this. And sometimes people will say, well, here's what I'm doing. And I'm like, oh, well, you can do it so much better if you do it the way I'm doing it. You know, um, and I have to repent of that because the Lord is, is giving us different things. Now, again, we have the same, <coughs> excuse me, we have the same great commission. None of us are exempt from that. 
We're all called to make disciples, to go and to baptize and to teach others to obey. And so we can't skirt that responsibility by, by making an excuse for something. But the way we go about doing it, our different environments. Again, I'm not called to go to Africa and live in a mud hut right now. But some are. And so that environment is different. That culture is different. That calling is different. And so I come now kind of concluding things for us today. Listening to the Lord actually helps us to understand what our calling is. What our culture needs to be, where we need to be in the culture, what our role and what our task is as we listen to the Lord. And then being with one another actually helps us to find clearly what it is the Lord wants us to do and how he wants us to go about doing it. So, What I'm not suggesting is that the body of Christ spend time listening to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to speak so that everyone hears the same thing. Well, you didn't hear what I heard. Well, we've got to go back to the drawing board. Got to do it right. We've got to get everybody on the same page. That's not the case. We're not looking for consensus. What we are looking for is unity, especially when it comes to the body of Christ. Now, there may be some specific decisions, and I know if you're on the vestry right now, there's a lot of prayer around some certain decisions that are going on within the church. And we may be in that place where we begin to seek the Lord on that specific thing, and the Lord says to every person in there, or at least a majority of the people in there, this is the direction in which we need to go. But when we're talking in broader terms, it may be that there are different things that come together in unity of the Lord's vision and what he wants for us. Listening together. When we look at the Lord corporately for his input as a matter of consistent conviction. I love that word, consistent conviction. When we're seeking the Lord because we're convicted that the Lord wants us to be doing something, to obey the scriptures. How are you wanting us to obey? We learn to put together the pieces of the puzzle as he gives a portion of his message to each person. I think you find a great illustration of this in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua chapter 5, starting in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Joshua went up to him and asked, Are you for us or for our enemies? How about that for a phrase, walking up to what looks like a, a man from the Lord. Are you for us or are you for our enemies? And I love the reply, neither, neither, he replied, but as a commander of the army of the Lord, I now come. And then Joshua's response, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servants? Joshua had it all backwards. Are you for us or are you for them? And the angel of the Lord says, neither, I'm for God. I'm for the Lord. I'm here for the Lord. And that's what we need to be doing. So if we're here for the Lord and we're seeking after the Lord, then we fall face down to the ground in reverence and we say, what message do you have for us, Lord? Not so that we can get our way. Not so that we can uh, make it all go away. But Lord, what is it that you're calling us to do? What's the message you have? It's not a matter of whether others are on our side. It's a matter of whether God is on our side. On God's side, we seek to hear from Him together, and we exhibit the fruit of the Spirit together. Now, we could go a lot into uh, to 
to church discipline so that we're making sure we do that. We don't have time for that. That's a whole other ball of wax that we could talk about. But seeking the Lord together and being willing to be the godly men and women that God has called us to. And one of my favorite things in, in doing small group ministries and doing uh, even having uh, you know, little churches that are gathering in places all over Birmingham uh, outside of the Advent is that they're seeking the Lord and they're looking to God and they're seeing what is God wanting us to do together that we might follow the Spirit. And when we live in unity like that, then in love, when one of our brothers and sisters goes astray, we come along like Paul does and say, hey, you heap coals on them so that you might reignite a fire in them when they've gone astray. If they're going the wrong direction, it's very clear that they're not the, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. And the Lord might discern that in the listening time, that you might go to them in love and say, hey, I love you so much and so does God. And this is the wrong, I, I feel like this is the wrong direction. There may be opportunity for that. Again, another place and another conversation. But don't be surprised when we have to live in the messiness of life when we begin to discern the Spirit together. And so I end with a question, and then I want to dialogue with you a little bit. Whom might you ask to join you in experiencing and experimenting the listening of God together? What group, men or women, small group, whatever it might be, to say, hey, let's, let's try this listening thing and see what the Lord might be telling us to do. Thoughts, comments, we have about five minutes for discussion if we if we've got enough any thoughts yes more practical tips on the you know, small group listening session idea uh, you know, any little bit dig into that like how would if our you know leading our group how would we set that up what would be our objectives any, any yeah more so practically speaking, uh, and I'm happy to, uh, if your small group saying, hey, let's do this, I'm happy to come and kind of walk with you through that. Um, uh, I've done some of that with some of the small groups and men's groups and various things. Uh, I would say, first and foremost, um, go to Scripture. Begin to read Scripture together as a small group. And this would be like in the context of about an hour and a half time that you're gathered together. Let's find some Scripture together. Let's read some Scripture and dialogue about um, what the Scriptures speaking to us, how the scripture is speaking to us, and then um, take some very uh, intentional time to just say, we're going to pray now and ask the Lord to speak to us. And so uh, there, again, there's an awkwardness there, but the practicalness is to just say, let's just listen. And you could say, some people get distracted by this. I don't. I find that it actually clears my mind a little bit. I will actually play music behind you know, pull up something on a Spotify or an Apple music and some piano music or whatever that, that kind of helps clear and keeps me, uh, keeps my train of thought moving. And so just asking the Lord, uh, what is it that you might be calling us to do? Um, and then after uh, a, a period of time where the awkwardness, you just sit in the awkwardness for a little bit, just listening to the Lord. Then you come back and say, did the Lord give anybody um, did the Holy Spirit speak to anybody? Did the Lord give anybody a word that we can uh, hear together and discern together? And then it's that point where you begin to, to put those up against Scripture. You know, um, I, I had a I'll give you an illustration of a guy who came to me, godly, godly man, uh, had a friend, young guy, had a friend die 
um, and uh, just unexpectedly, young guy died in an accident in a in a mill, and uh, he was he was kind of present, but not present. There, he thought he could have done more, but they did as you know the the EMTs had done as much. But he was living with that burden and that guilt, and so he came to me and to several other guys and said, "I feel like the Lord wants me to go." And dig up his body and speak life into him. And he'll rise from the dead. We said, oh, okay. Um, let's pray about that. Hold on. Let's, let's stop that train just a minute. Uh, and let's ask the Lord what, what he wants. And so he, he lives you know, several states away. But we, we actually came together. Uh, a group of men and women together on a call with him. Just began to pray. And then we began to speak into his life saying, uh, I don't think what you're hearing is from the Lord. It doesn't seem consistent with God to do that. Um, I think, you know, we were able to kind of just discern that the Lord was really wanting to heal him and wanting to speak into his life and wanted to free him of the guilt that he had been living with. But the way he had interpreted that was well, maybe maybe he's supposed to be alive. Um, and and so, that, case in point, you may not ever have that happen to you. I I hope not, but uh, but there may be things that you have you hear from the Lord and go, "Ooh, that one doesn't seem like that's from the Lord." Um, let's pray about that. Let's 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 test that with Scripture and see what we should be doing. So does that help a little no, bit? Yeah, I mean, yeah. now, uh, we'll follow up question: What about if somebody says something? And yeah. How do you gently you know, deal with that? Yeah. I think um, on those on those times of listening, y- you be patient. Um, you know, the Lord might give you something. And say, here it is, I want you to go do this. And if it's very clear what it is, then then yes, go obey it. But if it's one of those big things, you know, if, if there's something monumental that God said, I want you to do this, and it seems a little off, um, he's not going to leave you alone if you continue to listen. He's going to keep putting it in front of you. And so there's a testing there of, is the Lord continuing to, to put this in front of us? And then you also take time to continue to pray and discern is this of the Lord? And if it is, uh, God will open the door for those things to happen too. So a um, couple things in play there. Uh, some of it's very clear, go do it tomorrow. Others of it is um, be patient. I think I shared the story last week, uh, and I'll share it again for those who maybe didn't listen or were in here. Um, you know, Allison, my wife, and I were going down for a weekend away last year. Uh, just post-anniversary, getting away from the kids for just a little bit, get some time alone to renew, and we're driving down to the beach, and we stop at Peach Park, and we eat lunch at Peach Park, because uh, that's what you do when you go to the beach. Um, and, you know, we're eating our ice cream, and, and Allison looks behind me and says, hey, I think God's calling me to pray for this couple behind you. And I thought, all right, let's pray. Uh, she's like, no, no, no. I'm pretty sure he's telling us we need to go to the couple and pray for them. Like, oh, okay. Uh, we don't know that couple. Like, never met those people before. No idea who they are. She's like, I know. Super awkward, but I don't think I can leave without doing it. I was like, okay, let's finish the ice cream and the peach cobbler first. First things first. Uh, and then we walked over to this older couple and said, hey, I don't know why the Lord's telling us to do this, but we, we feel like the Lord's calling us to pray for you. And this sweet little elderly couple, couple began to share prayer requests with us of what they would like for us to pray for. And we had this sweet moment of, you know, five or seven minutes of just praying over them. 
and they thanked us. It wasn't anything revolutionary that came out of it, but it was obedience to God that said, we need to pray for these people. And, uh, and so we did. You know, there may be those moments. There may be bigger moments than that. So um, just discernment, I think, is a, is a key and, um, and weighing it against Scripture. Well, we're out of our time. I don't want to make anybody late for the 11 o'clock service. So let me say a quick prayer for us. Uh, and then if you want to talk more, I'll hang around if you uh, want to come have a conversation with me. I'm going to pray a prayer, actually, from a book that I've been reading called The Only One, uh, written by a guy just down the road here. Called His name is Curtis Sargent. And he speaks about this listening to the Lord. I want to pray this as our closing prayer this morning. Lord, enable us to be in tune with you and with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to the degree that we can hear you better together than we can alone. Let us then be able to fulfill your will together in ways and to a degree that we cannot do so separately. Let us bring joy to your heart and a testimony to the world when we do so. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.